0: 5280 Church Podcast, because everyone needs more hope, genuine community, and a clearer picture of God's love. Hi there, and welcome into 5280 Church Podcast. 5280 Church is a startup in the Berkeley community of Denver, Colorado, and our goal is to create a community that's very open and safe, um, where you can ask your hard questions and not feel judged, where you can come together as friends and family, um, worship together, play together, and just have fun together. In our current series, What The?, we are doing just that, diving into difficult questions that we might find about the Bible, about God, and finding the deeper truths. If God is good, why is there evil in the world? Can the Bible be trustworthy? Was Jesus a savior or just a good man? We have a Q&A at the end of each session and we would invite you to interact with us there on Facebook. Ask your questions, leave a comment, give us a like, follow, and share, but most of all, become a part of our community. And without further ado, we answer another question.
1: Today we wanna talk about the question of, aren't all religions basically the same? And so as we begin to tackle that question, You know, I want us to begin to think about um, you know various religions in the world. There are there are hundreds and hundreds of them, and so obviously today I'm not going to be able to go into individual beliefs all the way across the board. So we've kind of lumped them into categories. Um, we've we've looked at uh, we're going to look at Eastern li- religions today and how it answers basic questions of worldview. And there are a lot of Eastern religions. Basically, you're going to find Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism, uh, Jainism, a lot of isms um, tend to fall in that category. We're going to look at that because they have. Similar worldviews. We're going to look at uh, Islam today, uh, and and we're also going to look at Judaism and Christianity, uh, the big three, and just kind of compare each one of these um, these categories of religion, if you will, and have them look at worldview and how it answers basic questions of why we're here, who we are, how do we deal with the problems in our world, and ultimately what's our purpose in life, and so. With all of that being said, I want to jump right in. We're going to jump in with Eastern religions and begin to tackle that this morning. And the first question I want us to think about as we look at Eastern religions is, who am I and where do I come from? How does Eastern religions answer this? So let's look at it. It Basically, their belief and understanding is that the universe is God, all that exists. God is in everything, and so therefore the universe is God because we are part of the universe. We are a fragment of God, if you will just as all things uh, are fragments of the universe and make up God. And so essentially, who we are is the universe, which is God. And so it's very spiritual in nature, and God's not personal. It's more of a uh, mystical force. Um, that we interact with. And so you hear this a lot in our culture when it talks about, you know, the universe um, doesn't let me or what would make the universe happy. You hear these kind of these conversations. Um, this is Eastern religion thought. So the next question that comes to mind when we look at existence in the world around us, we see good and evil, uh, pain and suffering, uh, and joy and, and everything. And so when it comes to what's wrong with the world, their answer Uh, comes down to that um, basically karma, okay? So it's one word. Karma kind of is the explanation of all things. There's not necessarily a right or wrong. There is a good and then there is a bad, but it's not like in a traditional moral sense, okay? And so the idea of karma is the, the expression of happiness or misery within the world. That's what exists, and so the reason that bad things happen is because of bad karma, right? And so if, if you or I do something and it offends the universe, then it fills the universe with this evil uh, or this, this pain and this misery. And uh, to d- just give you a quote right out of, um, you know, some basic their textbook, it says, In this world, nothing happens to a person that he or she does not, for some reason or another, deserve. That's a really, really interesting statement. Because if you've been victimized as a young child, you know, what are we talking about? Somewhere down the line you're going to, you know, offend the universe and it's just coming to you in advance? That's, that's a pretty big statement. Um, big question, answer there. And it says, usually uh, men of ordinary intellect cannot comprehend the actual reason or reasons. And so if you don't understand why things happen, it's because you're not capable of understanding. So it kind of lowers humanity a little bit as well. Um, The definite invisible cause or causes of the visible effect is not necessarily confined to the present life. In other words, it doesn't have to be tied to this life. So let's say something happens. It's unexplainable. You've been victimized. It's because in a previous life you did something really horrific and it's catching back up to you. So it's not necessarily confined to the present life and it may be traced to approximate or remote past birth. And so this is how they explain injustice in the world. So it moves on. What's the solution to this suffering and and what's wrong with the world? So let's look at their answer. Basically accept karma. You know, if you begin to accept that things happen to you and that some reason or another, whether you understand or not, you know, it it comes your way because of something that's happened in a past life or somebody else is filling the world with bad karma. You just got to accept that this is all going to kind of come around and go around to everybody. And your goal is to avoid the bad karma and try to fill the universe with good karma because, after all, what you're trying to do is escape a life of pain and suffering. So you're not just investing in this life, you're investing for when you become one with the universe, which is the next question. What's my purpose within Eastern religions? Well, it's simply to become one with the universe. Now, when we talk about this union being united with the universe, you need to understand that there's there's no I or you in union. So when we think of union, typically in Western culture, we think of Becoming one, We connect with people. You know, the idea of community. But because the universe is God, impersonal, not a person, to become one with the universe actually is a call out of a relationship with ourselves, denying our own desires, which is true Eastern Buddhism. The Western version is very different. But the Eastern version of Buddhism is to rid yourself of all personal desires except one, and that's to become one or at peace or in union with the universe, which is a complete disconnect from anything personal. And and so that's, that's the idea here. That's your purpose in life is to find that harmony with the universe. And then what happens when you die? Well, you have two options. There's reincarnation or liberation. Reincarnation is you did good or maybe not so good and you get to do it over. Because it's all about trying to progress through karma and to fill the universe, to become one, to become united with it so that you're ultimately liberated and you don't have to go through life as we know it anymore. Because we know that life has good things that happen and bad things that happen. So it's the idea of being able to escape suffering, become one with the universe. So that's Eastern religions. That's the basic gist of it. Let's look at Islam here for a second. Islam, when they look at who am I and where do I come from, they answer it by saying that you were created by Allah, but not in his image. Because to be, have an image of God in any way, shape, or form is idolatry. So there's, you were created by God, but there's a disconnect between you and God. You know, Allah is Allah, and you are you, and there's not this um, connection between the two of you on a personal level. All right, And so Islam, when it talks about what's wrong with the world, essentially people are not obedient to Allah. Right, so they look at the teachings of Muhammad, who reveals what Allah wants. And because we don't follow the teachings of Allah, the world is filled with you know, pain and suffering. So it's, people are not obedient to Allah. Islam has been rejected as a pure religion. And there, there is no idea of original sin, where it originates within humanity. It's the idea that it's all about outward actions, obedience to Allah, and... That's where we go. So what's the solution to suffering and what's wrong with the world? Obviously, it's to come to Islam, which is to embrace Allah. So you get in the idea of connecting with that, and it's, it's through the five pillars become the, the, the devotion life, if you will, of those that follow uh, Islam And so it's the idea of faith or belief in the oneness of God and the finality of the prophet Muhammad, you know, his teachings, the establishment of daily prayers, you know, praying to the east, which is this idea of community, the entire Muslim community at the same time, you know, in the same direction, coming together and praying. Um, the, the concern... Uh, for those that are in need, so almsgiving, giving to the poor, is a very strong pillar. Uh, self-purification through fasting, the idea of letting go of things that are disobedient to Allah. So you fast and you, you go through that to purge yourself of those things so you can become obedient to Allah. And then the pilgrimage to Mecca for those who are able. And so it's this idea of being able to take your trip to uh, the, the, the holy place of Islam, the birthplace of Islam. And so this is their, their solution. The, the thing is, is that even if you do all of these things, there's not any promise anywhere in the Quran of redemption. So in other words, being accepted by Allah in the end is arbitrary. Arbitrary simply means it's based on random choice, personal whim, rather than any reason or system. So you can do all of these things and still not be sure. So what's your purpose? Submission to Allah and this idea of Ummah, which is to uh, protect and champion the Islamic community globally. So this is something that they take very serious. You know, they they, they probably do a better job than Christianity, seeing brothers and sisters, you know, in their faith as family. And so they they really see themselves as a global community and they, they promote and protect that community. So that becomes your purpose. So what happens when you die? Well, there's judgment or mercy, and typically mercy is guaranteed, if there is a guarantee, if you have suffered for Allah. What's, what's ambiguous about it is what is suffering. And so this is... A snapshot of Islam, now listen, it's like any other religion, just like Eastern religions, there's so many variations, but generally speaking, big picture, easier to general answer, same thing with Islam, you know, you have Sunni and Shiites, and you have, you know, you have your divisions, it's like Christianity has denominations, you get the idea of what I'm saying. So these are broad strokes here. Uh, Judaism, let's look at Judaism. So how does Judaism answer the question of where do I come from? Well, you're created in the image of God. And so in their, you know, Yahweh being uh, their definition of God, um, their word that they use to describe God in the Hebrew. And we are created in his image means there are certain attributes of the creator that the creation has. So there is a personal, uh, uh, spiritual connection between the creator and creation. So in other words, there are certain attributes of God that transfer onto humanity. You know, love. Is part of God's character. It's part of humans, right? You know, justice, part of God's character, part of hum- humans. The ability to hope, you know, and dream, that's part of God, part of us. And so it's this idea that we are, we are personally a many lesser reflection of God. So what's wrong with the world? Well, original sin. Humanity does not accurately reflect the perfect creator, they don't accurately reflect Yahweh. And so man's rebellion towards God and our selfishness towards other is this idea of sin. This is the knowledge of good and evil that we read about in the Christian Old Testament or the Jewish Torah. You know, you read in the book of Genesis, it's talking about being created in the image of God and that God protected them and said, there is one tree that you shall not eat from, the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, accept my version of how the world runs, how the universe runs. Don't create your own system. Humanity was wired to, you know, and and has chosen to rebel, and that's created this rebellion and selfishness that perpetuates the world, and that creates all kinds of evil. So what's the solution to suffering and what's wrong with the world? So far, it sounds pretty on track with Christianity, doesn't it? Well, this is where it starts to differentiate a little bit. So the solution becomes down to uh, to repent and make amends for your sins. So repent and make amends for your sins. So it's to look at saying, okay, I'm rebelling against God. I'm being selfish. I'm to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm to love my neighbor as myself. I'm to fulfill the law. And then what happens is is that in an effort to do that, I have to make things right through my obedience. Right? And so repentance isn't a bad idea. The problem is, is that we also have to be the solution for our own problem. It comes down to effort and obedience. And so what's your purpose? Well, very clearly, it's to please God through your efforts to obey the Torah and oral traditions. So now you have the Torah, and now you have all of these different cultures and places, and you have all of these little decisions that you have to make, right? Is it right to do this or not to do this, right? We're, we have decisions that we make every day in developed countries that people in undeveloped countries have no choice of making in their life. They don't, they don't think about what house they're going to buy, what car they're going to drive. You know, But we have these things, so how do you know? This is where the teaching of the rabbis come in in oral tradition where you take this truth and you try to flesh it out in every aspect of your life. You see this in the New Testament with the scribes and Pharisees that added 618 rules to the already rule-heavy book. What they're trying to do is interpret everyday life and to give you every little detail of what you can do and what you can't do to be sure that you honor Yahweh. So what happens when you die? The Messiah will hand out judgment or reward whether he comes to earth. So they do not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They believe that the Messiah is still coming, that he'll reestablish them as a people, as a nation, uh, as a physical uh, government. And he will hand out judgment or reward when he comes or when we stand before him based on how well we've kept the Torah and oral traditions. So there's not... Um, a strong appeal of grace, it's sacrificial system, keeping the rules, you 're covered by that, that rule, and that 's how you get in. So Christianity, let 's look at Christianity here. The question says, where do I, Who am I and where do I come from? well we 're created in the image of God. We would agree with Judaism on this. We would, we would hold to the teachings of the Old Testament. We believe that God has personally created us, that we are spiritually connected to our creator, and that connection is very strong and personal. We know that God is love. That's why we crave love and desire to give love. We know that God is just. That's why we cry out for justice when we see wrong, and we work for justice. We're, we're intrinsically motivated for these things because it's the thumbprint, if you will, the spiritual thumbprint of the creator on us. We see this in Genesis. Genesis. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We are a reflection of our creator. We're not, like Eastern religions, we're not God because there are certain attributes of Yahweh that don't transfer to us, right? We're not all-knowing, ever-present, and all-powerful. Those would be things that are uh, tied to God personally that we don't share. All right. So what's wrong with the world? Well, we again would align with Judaism on this and we would say original sin, that humanity is born and we all rebel and we all act selfish and this rebellion against God, rejecting his ways for our own ways, this advocating for ourselves in a selfish manner uh, creates harm and hardship upon the planet. So whether by afflicting people or through apathy, we fill the world with brokenness, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23 says. it. It says, listen, God created us to be this glorious, beautiful picture of the creator, but it's not a very clear picture because we've all sinned, we've all rebelled, we've all been selfish, we all fall short of what God intended for us to be, created us to be. So Christianity talks about what's the solution to suffering and what's wrong with the world. Well, the solution for what's wrong in the world is to trust in Jesus ability to pay the penalty for our rebellion and selfishness on a cross and embrace a new life in him through the resurrection okay so this is the cross and the resurrection where where Jesus pays the price you know pays for justice for the wrongs that have that we've inflicted and offers us love and redemption but most importantly Instead of just calling us into rules, he comes within us and makes us alive spiritually. So when we fell short, that distorted image, God wants to recreate that image within us. And so we become alive spiritually. In other words, we can now reconnect with God at the personal, deep, spiritual level. We have his ability to help us overcome the sin and rebellion that we so easily choose. And we see this in the rest of Romans 3, uh, verse 23 says, For all sin and fall short of the glory of God and are justified. So we've all fallen, but we've justified. We are marked as innocent by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus. So Jesus looks down at humanity, says, you are valuable even though you are not the clearest picture of what I want you to be. I still choose you. I love you no matter how messed up, how far away you are, no matter how perfect you are. I want to give you something that you can't get for yourself and that spiritual life. I choose you. I redeem you out of brokenness into beauty. This is the message of Christianity. This is the solution. And when, when, think about it, when you are pulled out of a mess and brought into grace, love, and forgiveness, something snaps in you, doesn't it? You want more of that. The, the, the inner heart be, now begins to wrestle with, can I really trust this, but I really want this. And this is what God wants to do, to offer this grace, this gift to us. So what's our purpose in Christianity? To love God, love others, follow Jesus, and help restore a fallen world. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as naturally as you love yourself. Follow Jesus and what he teaches and the way he lived. Not to earn his love, but because he loves, and to fill the world with his redemptive message. Just as God has forgiven you freely, fill the world with his message of redemption. This is your purpose. Where do we see this? All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us, made up the difference to himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So he not only restores us and bridges a gap, but he asks us to go to do the same. That is, Christ, God, was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him. So We help people see that God's not wanting to judge them, that God's not wanting to hold their sins against them, that God wants to forgive them and he wants to renew them and he wants to bring about this beauty that that we're all craving and desire, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors. We represent Jesus as if God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's the message of Christianity, not turn or burn. (laughs) It's God wants to make up the difference. He wants to bridge the gap. He wants to draw you close. He wants to take what you naturally crave and are, are selling for less and fulfill that and bring life to that through his power, his strength, your surrender. So what happens when you die? Eternal life in either heaven or hell based on our faith in God's grace. God does all of these things to redeem us and to call us back into relationship with him. And he simply asks for us to come, to accept it. And the question becomes, why is it so hard to accept that? And that's the friction. It's that our version of good and evil the way we think the world should operate in God's version of good and evil in the kingdom that he's trying to establish. That is love and grace. And depending on what we choose determines where we go. That's, God gives us the ability to choose. For by grace you have been saved, redeemed Pulled out of your brokenness, pulled out of the brokenness in the world, put into an eternity of perfection and peace where there's no more sin, suffering, death, or shame. And this is not of your own doing, it's a gift of God, not as a result of works. I'm not asking for you to step up, I'm just asking for you to hold on to it. That's Christianity. So, really, the question is if we're going to bottom line this, how do you know which one you should choose? See, all religions, they do have a moral code of some sort. All religions do have a truth of some sorts. All religions are trying to answer questions. And what we're trying to help you understand is, what is the quality of that answer to the big questions? But what sets Christianity apart and why personally I'm a believer in Jesus and all of the many options that I could choose from is simply this, God introduced himself. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time having someone tell me who God is, and I have to take their word for it. There's a lot of people that I interact with in this community that never want to come to a gathering like this because they don't want someone telling them what to do. The difference with Christianity is is that we don't have to rely on another human being to tell us who God is. God has wired us to know him. He has personally introduced himself in Jesus Christ. He stepped on the planet where we can use our head. We can use archaeology. We can do anthropology. We can use uh, you know, textual criticism. We can research this guy. All voices and his teachings to discover who he is because God wants us to know him. So the question becomes, what if God personally revealed himself? How would that change your understanding of Christianity? How would that change your pursuit of Christianity? How would that change your acceptance of Christianity? And most important, how would it change Christianity? because see, we got our dark side too, don't we? Christianity was a derogatory term given to followers of Jesus that became so much like him that the world's like, you're just like a little Christ. And for the believer, it's like, that's because Christ lives in me. This is the heartbeat of Christianity. So no matter where you are, how far you are, if you don't have a relationship with God, if God personally revealed himself, wouldn't it make sense to get to know him? I'd invite you to join us to explore, ask questions. Wouldn't it also make sense to listen to him, to read for ourselves, and to obey?